Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning, church. So glad that you are with us today. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We are in our third edition in a series called Details, how Jesus wants us to live. We're walking verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. That's what it's called uh, in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. Jesus went up on a hillside and gathered those who believed in him around him, not just 11 or 12, but a good group of people around him, and he began to teach. And through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus does us a favor. He makes it really, really clear. He goes into the details of how we are to handle our appetites, how we are to handle our relationships, how we are to handle trouble in this world. Jesus is really, really giving us a gift. And in this gift of the Sermon on the Mount, in this this teaching, Jesus is inviting us and calling us to a life of radical discipleship. And the reason it's radical, because every single one of these teachings... Every single one of these instructions sounds really about impossible. (laughs) And Jesus is leading us and inviting us to say, you can't do this life, but I can do it through you. And he wants us to get into that posture of dependence. He wants us to be in that place of, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do today. I don't know how I'm going to handle my appetites, my relationships, my struggles, the things that come against me. I don't know how I'm going to get through that. And when you and I are in that posture of saying, I can't, but you can, God, that's right where he wants us. So thanks be to God for the Sermon on the Mount because he is giving us clear instruction about how to live our lives. Matthew 5, verse 5 is where we are today. And this verse is, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And as we have been doing, a little breakdown here uh, on this verse, we're going to sort of split it up into three sections. So we'll talk a little bit about blessed, where we've been for the last couple of Sundays. We'll talk about what it means to be meek. And then we'll talk just briefly about what Jesus is saying about what it is to inherit the earth. You ready to go? You ready to dive in? Let's do it. So blessed is this idea, we talked about it before, uh, this idea of, of describing the condition of a person more than it describes emotions of a person. And this is God saying, it's really good to be you, it, you've all set, you've got it made, congratulations to you, you should be happy if you're mourning, if you're poor in spirit, if you're meek. The word blessed doesn't mean everything's going right for you, everything's good for you. What this is, is God's like, you're mourning right now? Oh, what? awesome. You're mourning over sin? Great, that's right where I want you to be. You've discovered you're poor in spirit and you don't have any power to manufacture joy in your life. You don't have any pa- power to make your heart more mature and more Christ-like. You, you feel poor in spirit in that way? Then great, congratulations. You've got it made. You're right where I want you to be. It's really good to be you in that moment. If that's where you are, awesome. You should be happy. You are blessed if you're poor in spirit. So the idea of blessed is Jesus saying, It's really good to be you 
if you're this. Congratulations. Way to go. You're right where you're supposed to be. So it describes the posture and position and the condition of a person who says, I'm poor in spirit. I'm, I'm mourning over sin in the world and in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm really living a life of meekness. Great. Congratulations. You should be happy. So that's the idea of what it means to be blessed and what Jesus is saying there in there. So now let's dig in to what does it mean to be meek and what is meekness? Meekness is strength under control. Meekness is strength under control. I want you to think this morning about a car. And a car has a lot of strength in it, right? Depending on the engine that's in there, depending on, on how well it's been taken care of, depending on, on you know, what kind of car it is, it, can, it has lots of power. It can really, really go. It also has the power just to get you from point A to point B. It doesn't have to be really fast to get you from point A to point B. One of those little smart cars, well, I call them a backpack car because they look small enough that you could just put them on your back. Those will get you from point A to point B. So they have a lot going for them. The cars are really helpful and useful. But this car that has lots of strength and lots of ability and lots of power, it has both an accelerator and a brake pedal. And meekness is strength under control, like a car understanding that both pedals are necessary. This car is a vehicle of great strength, and I'm looking around over this group this morning at People of Hope Church, and you are people of great strength, and meekness is understanding I need both pedals in my life. There are times I need to step on the gas, and there are times I need to intentionally let off the gas and tap the brakes, or press on the brakes, or slam on the brakes. I need both pedals. Meekness combined with wisdom is knowing when the specific pedal is appropriate. That's where we mature in Christ. We are people of great strength. And I'm looking at you guys and you're gifted and you're smart and you're beautiful and you've got resources to, to, to no end almost for most of us. Most of us have, have never known a day where we had to sleep outside or go hungry or anything like that. We've got all kinds of resources, all sorts of, of assets in our world. We've got all sorts of abilities and gifts and privileges. And in all of those things, as we grow in Christ, the mature point is where we become meek, where we know how to exercise that strength and when to control that strength with the break. Meekness is strength under control, knowing when to apply the appropriate pedal. So why does God want us to have strength? Let me give you several things up on the screen. They'll come up now and I'll talk through all these things. You can write them down if you're taking notes today. Why does God want us to have strength? Because it's not just the brake, it's also the accelerator. It's, it's strength under control. Why does God want us to have strength? Well, first of all, for endurance and perseverance. All throughout Scripture, God is calling his people and leading his people to endure, to hold on, to wait, to stand by, to, to be strong underneath adversity and resistance and under some difficult days. You had the people of Israel who were waiting for a deliverer to come and get them out of Egypt. You had the people of Israel waiting for a Messiah to come and to bring some sort of revolution of the kingdom of God. You have the, the, the people 
who are uh, alive at this point right now, and we are waiting for the return of Christ. And we are called to endure. Situations come up in this world because it's broken and fractured as a result of sin where there are enemies and there are things that come against us and there is evil um, that, that sometimes runs after us and we slam right into it and there are things that are unfair. Can I get an amen? And there are difficulties and pits and all kinds of struggles that we never asked for. There's things called cancer. And we are called to endure and to be strong. God wants his people to be strong. And this is so important. When you think of meekness, it's not mousiness. Meekness is not softness. It's not wimpiness. Being a Christian is tough. Because being a Christian says, if I'm falsely accused, I'm going to trust that God is aware and working on this behind the scenes for his glory and for my good. And if I get sick, I'm going to trust God that he will either make me well on this earth or he'll take me home where I am well forever. And you got to be strong to endure. Enduring the days when your marriage is, is rugged. Enduring the days when you and your teenager are just not clicking or communicating. Enduring the days when your boss is setting a new level of achievement for jerk status. Enduring the days where you just don't even know if you can get out of bed. God wants his people to be strong and he is building endurance in us and he's calling us to be people who endure. People who stand in the midst of struggle. Think about Jesus. He was put on trial before he was crucified and Jesus, the son of God, was falsely accused and they hurled insults at him and they spat at him and they whipped him and they beat him. And Jesus did not lash out. Do you know what Jesus could have done to those people in that moment? He was strength under control. God wants us to be strong because he is calling us and inviting us to endure. And one of the most beautiful and sweet ways that you are worshiping God right now, some of you, is you are enduring until God changes your circumstances. You're waiting on that job. You're waiting on that relationship. You're waiting on that healing. You're waiting on that answer. You're waiting for that opportunity. And you, every day that you say, Lord, this could be the day that things change, but if it's not, I will trust you. And all my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. So in this day of my endurance, I will sing of the goodness of God. And I don't see how it's going to change. I don't see when it's going to change. But I'm trusting that you are good. And when you endure, when you're strong, that's worship that rises up to the Lord and it pleases him. He wants his people to be strong under control. The second thing that's here of why God wants his people to be strong is for stepping into situations of injustice. 
We are bringing the kingdom of God here into the world. We are extending the boundaries of that kingdom. We are going and taking the freedom of Jesus into places where there isn't freedom, taking the, the restoration of Jesus where there are places where restoration needs to be, uh, to be had. And we are bringing, um, bringing life and light into dark corners. And God needs his people to be strong so that we don't just stay in our church buildings in fear but that we get out there with the messy people and we figure out how to love them and live like Jesus for them and help them to know that Jesus loves them. And sometimes they don't look so good or smell so good and their life is just a tangle of complications and many of them, they've done it to themselves. God's looking for his people to be strong, amen, and courageous to get in there and bring light into some dark hearts, into some dark corners. Remember when Jesus opened up the scroll of Isaiah and he read it in the synagogue and in the temple and he was reading from that and and, and he was teaching them and part of that is the fulfillment of the prophecy that he has come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And one of the duties of God's people here on the planet is that we go to places where they haven't heard that God has shown his favor to the world that they can belong, that they can be made new, that they can have forgiveness, that they can be made clean, that they can be adopted into his family, and that they can have eternal life. Are you with me, people? This is where we must be strong. That when we see injustice, when we see human trafficking, when we see abuse, when we see neglect and abandonment, when we see all of these things, we need to be strong to stand up and to take light into those dark places. And often the dark's not going to be happy about it. But God wants his people to be strong. Number three, for living as holy people in an unholy culture. Students, I think about you all the time of what it must be like to not get caught up in the swift moving current of the culture and to compromise your love and faithfulness and obedience to Christ in exchange for being thought of as popular or one of the crowd. It's so hard to be a teenager right now. I would not want to do it. Anybody else with me on that? I would not want to be a teenager right now. And there's so much pressure, so much difficulty, and there's so much whispering and calling to just compromise, just go along with what everybody else is doing and agree with the idea that if you don't have enough followers or likes, then you're no, you don't matter much. Just agree with that and come along and be willing to show more skin and be willing to talk a little more edgy and be willing to, to, to really love and laugh at unholy, inappropriate things. And And just come on in. And you don't have to really be a holy person. You can just come be like us. It takes strength to live a holy life in an unholy culture. And we need to be praying for our teenagers, praying for them as they resist temptation, praying for them as they love Jesus to the point that the things that are tempting don't look that tempting. 
We need all of us to not be lulled to sleep and to stop being God's called out, unique, holy people. It takes strength for that. Number four, for carrying the gospel to hard places, maybe God's gonna call you to go to the Dominican Republic next year. Maybe God's gonna call you to go to Tanzania next year or India next year or to Morocco next year or to Afghanistan next year. Or maybe God's gonna call you. Maybe God, God is looking for people who have such trust in him and compassion for the lost who will trust him and be strong to say, I'll get on a plane and go to a hard place to carry the good news of Jesus to people who haven't heard. Friends, being a Christian isn't easy and it's not soft. It's tough. And we need to be strong and God wants us to be strong. And then finally, Number five, we, God wants us to have strength for working and succeeding as a light in the world, glorifying God. Being meek in your business does not mean that you sit around and, and don't achieve. Being meek in your business or, or world of, of vocation doesn't mean that you're just sort of like, oh, I don't want to do anything that gets any attention. Be the best you can be in your area. Go for it. Kill it. Win awards. Grow your business. Be the best employee that you can be in your place so that as you live and work and succeed and as you're faithful and good and the best employee that anybody's seen in that place and you're their favorite worker and you're the one who's just killing it and whatever you're working on and, and doing and that goes for grades and school and projects and all that kind of stuff as you do it longing for an opportunity that your light might shine a little bit more so that you could point people to Jesus. Let's have the best designers and the best builders and the best creators and the best workers be people who know Jesus. And let's say that the people of God are hard workers and the people of God are diligent, faithful people and that the people of God love excellence and the people of God love creativity and the people of God want to honor him by doing their best at whatever they've been given to do. So that if anyone takes notice, there's an opportunity to give glory to God. Amen? He needs us to be strong. So if you're a leader in business or in, in, in your field or whatever you're doing, meekness is not abdicating your leadership. Lead, but also know you need wisdom to know when to hit the accelerator and when to hit the brake. Because there's a difference between a leader and a tyrant. So that's why God wants us to have strength. Why does God want us to live under control, though? Number one, because we are to be led by the Holy Spirit, not our emotions. Hello. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit, not by our emotions. It is so tempting with your child or with your spouse to want to give the verbal kill shot in an argument. Anybody else? Like, you know what button to push. You know where to go. You know what past thing to call up. 
You know what subject to comment on. You know what name to mention. And you know in that moment, it is so easy in your strength to explode in that moment and to not be power under control, not be strength under control, but forget all about the break and just mow them down with your words. Anybody else? And the call of Jesus is to be meek. You could crush them right now, but you step off the gas and you touch the brake. That's meekness. He wants us to be led by the Spirit. Young people, older people, as you grow as a follower of Jesus Christ and you have moments where someone's mad at you, the moment right before you is to listen to the Holy Spirit and he might say to you something different than, here's the phrase to win the argument. He might say something to you like, do you wonder what's hurting inside them that's making them so upset with you right now? Do you, do you wonder if their day or week or month or year or decade has been so bad? Do you, do you wonder if there's a story behind their pain? And all of a sudden, you're off the gas and you're on the brake. And in the moment, you're listening more than you're crushing. Emotions will lead us to doing great damage. Amen? This happened to me, so now I'm going to go get them, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. <laughs> Number two, why God wants us to live under control is we are to trust God waiting on his solutions. It's tempting when you become impatient to try to solve it for yourself. Maybe God needs some help. Maybe God's busy in Zimbabwe right now. <laughs> maybe, maybe God needs not for me to be still, but for me to go and force something to happen. And let me remind you that often God is inviting you to wait because what he's got for you is way better than what you can pull off in the immediate. God wants you to be poor in spirit. I can't do this. I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know how this is going to... I feel really dependent on God. God wants us there. And in patience, God wants us to have control over that strength. Some of you in this room, you're so brilliant. You're so clever. You're so gifted. You're so strong at administration and leadership and problem solving. And you understand complexities. You see the matrix in it all of how everything's interconnected and all those things. And you could, you could just blow right through and step on the gas and try to, to get a quick fix instead of waiting on God to open it up. And God's calling us to be meek. To know when it's time to step off the gas and to step on the brake. Number three, God wants us to live under control because vengeance belongs to him. Every single one of us loves a good dose of payback. Every single one of us in here is tempted to really, really be skilled at, 
at payback. They did this to me, so now I'm going to do this to them. And sometimes that looks like they did this action, so now I'm going to go do this action. And sometimes it looks like they didn't do anything, and so I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to withhold. I'm going to punish. Sometimes it looks like I want them to feel it, how much it hurt me. And the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So while you could crush them, while you could inflict pain upon them to help them understand how much they've pained you, while you could get some really small, satisfying payback, while you could, what God is calling you to be is meek. To step off the gas. And to know when it's time to step on the brake. Number four, God wants us to live in a control because we are the light for the world, representing the love of Jesus and his ability to change a heart. Not only does God want strong builders and doers and leaders and people who accomplish and achieve, not only does God want that, he also wants you and I living out there with a godly reaction when we've been offended. We're to be that kind of light. How in the world are you not going off on that person right now? I'm going to wait and trust God. I'm praying for that person. I'm praying for this situation. How in the world could you be doing that? I'm not trying to sound super spiritual or anything like that, but I'm a Christian, and Jesus is teaching me to trust him and not lash out at people. I'm trying to step on the brake. You won't know what that means. You weren't at church on Sunday, but I'm trying to step on the brake. How in the world can you do that? Don't you want to get them? Uh, yeah, I actually do. I really, really do. I really, really, really do. But I'm not gonna. Because Jesus said, when I'm meek, I'm right where I need to be. When I'm meek, that's the blessed position to be in. When I choose, although I have the strength, when I choose to let off the gas, and trust him. That's when I'm in the really good spot. God is looking to use you in your school, young people. God is looking to use you folks in your neighborhoods, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in the way that you engage shopping occasions and eating out occasions and all those kind of things, that when something goes against you, God is looking to show and to put on display what it looks like when Jesus changes a heart. God is looking for people of grace to show grace instead of vengeance, instead of entitlement. How dare you not refill my water glass how dare you take 10 minutes to get our food out here? God is looking to show how Jesus changes a heart. 
so that we don't just mow people down. We let off the gas. We tap the brake. We see how he wants to work. And you'll be surprised how many times people will look at you and your lack of crushing, your lack of mowing them down, your lack of payback, your lack of giving that verbal kill shot. And they'll go, how in the world are you so restrained right now? Well, if you could see inside, I'm probably not. I'd really like to crush them right now. But this is the life Jesus wants me to live, and I'm trying to grow in that. And he's really showing me that when I'm meek, it's the best way to go. It's the best way to live. I can't take any credit for this lack of reaction moment. (laughs) Jesus has done this. Wow. Jesus can make a selfish person unselfish. Hallelujah. Jesus can make an entitled person a servant. Jesus can make an arrogant person patient. God wants us to live strong but under control because as we're out there, we're a light and we're an example of what he can do in a heart. And if you're in here on a Sunday morning and you're singing with all your might and lifting your hands to God in gratitude and in singing, but out there you are not expressing the same grace that you're grateful for in here, there's a contradiction. And your worship on Sunday is authenticated on Monday. For some of you, your worship on Sunday morning is going to be authenticated at lunch on Sunday. He wants us to live as meek men and women because we put on display what he can do with a life. A little bit more about meekness. Uh, meekness is gentleness, not weakness. It's gentleness. Often it takes greater strength not to lash out at someone, to jab with words, to go for the, for the words you know will crush that person. It takes really good strength, great strength, to not dominate them in the workplace. If you've got a team, if you've got people in your family, it takes great strength to be meek and not manipulate people. It takes great strength to govern yourself, to pull back on those moments, to dominate those moments to manipulate. Meekness is gentleness, not weakness. And then secondly, meekness is humility as a byproduct of the first two Beatitudes. I love this. Um, This is such a cool thought here. It's a byproduct of the first two Beatitudes. Uh, Access those files in your brain for a second. Remember the first two Beatitudes we covered? Uh, Think about them for just a minute. First one was poor in spirit. That that one we talked about where when you get to the point where you realize that I can't but God can. Remember that? That, That's right where God wants us. So when you have that going on in your life, that's one of the, the Beatitudes. The second one we looked at was 
was those who mourn over what sin has done in the world and how sin sometimes runs amok in your life. So if you are realizing how inadequate you are to change your own life and to change anyone else's life, and if you are mourning for your own personal sin and the sin that is wrecked and ruining this world, if you have those two things going on, you will likely be meek because you will have an accurate view of yourself. This will keep us from being people who brag. This will be, keep us from being people who are demanding. To just put it succinctly, it will keep us from acting like Antonio Brown, formerly of the Oakland Raiders. If you keep up with pro football, this past week has been a bizarre picture of the opposite of meekness. You see, Antonio Brown is a football player. He's a wide receiver who used to play with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then he went to the Oakland Raiders, and he actually hasn't even played a game for the Oakland Raiders and probably never will play a game for the Oakland Raiders because they just cut him. They just released him because he was such a problem for them. This went on this week in front of all the players at practice this week, all these professional players, professional. This is their job. He went to his boss, the general manager of the team, in front of all the players, and he almost got in a fist fight with him, and he was shouting, cursing, and just throwing a, a little toddler tantrum is what he did. And I want to say off the bat, I don't know Antonio Brown's heart, but I can observe his deeds. And I'm only speaking about what I've observed in his deeds this week. He threw a tantrum to his boss. In accordance with team rules, the boss fined him for his behavior. But Antonio Brown had this thought, like, I'm Antonio Brown. You can't find me. You need me too much. I'm going to get in your face. I'm going to rebel against you. I'm going to make fun of you in front of the rest of the employees. And you won't do anything about it because I'm Antonio Brown. And they cut him. They released him from the team. You see, in that moment, he did not have a thought of poor in spirit. I, I I'm not everything. When you got poor in spirit, that's when you're like, I'm not everything. I don't have it all solved. I can't do this on my own. And he didn't have this mournful thought over sin in his life. He didn't have this like, man, I have blown it. I, 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 I'm so grieving the way that sin has taken over in my life. And as a result, he didn't have a humble or grateful view of himself, so he attempted to manipulate his team. He wanted, listen to this, he wanted permission to be out of control. I'm above it. I'm entitled. I'm special. I want different rules for me. I want permission to be out of control. And I was watching this this week, and I'm getting ready for this morning, and I'm thinking, that right, that's the opposite of meekness right there. I don't want to control myself. I don't want to touch the brake. I just full speed ahead because I'm special. So let's not be Antonio Brown. And young people especially, if you're looking for role models in your life, Again, I don't know the man's heart, but I can observe his deeds. And I'm telling you, you need to respect authority. 
And young men and women, one of the most attractive qualities you can ever have is to be teachable. Amen? To really just kind of go, you know, I don't know everything. And if you mess up, to own it and repent and make it right. And put your head down and work hard and don't brag and don't make it all about you. Because when you do those things, you are not displaying meekness as humility because you're poor in spirit and mournful over sin. Meekness is not harsh. It's not forceful. It's not rude. It's not insensitive. It's not inconsiderate. It's not arrogant. It's not prideful. It's not aggressive. Meekness does not feel superior. Meekness does not feel entitled. And meekness is not expecting preferential treatment. Jesus, sitting on a hillside, looking at the people who love him and believe in him, says, if you're meek, if you know you're strong, but you're controlling it, if you're meek and you're very familiar with both pedals, the accelerator and the brake, it's right where I want you. Congratulations. It's right where you need to be. Briefly, let's talk about what it means to inherit the earth. Jesus says, the meek will inherit the earth. This is our future inheritance with Christ because we need to be honest with ourselves. Just because you step on the brake and don't react doesn't mean that people will suddenly change everything and make it all rainbows and kittens in your life. Just because you take the high road and do the right thing doesn't mean that people are like, oh, wow, I see your reaction now. You chose not to be vengeful, so everything's fine now. What was unfair is now fair. Sometimes life continues to be unfair even if you behave the way God would want you to behave. True? Sometimes you can do the right thing and bad stuff will still come against you. So what I'm challenging us to this morning is to hear the words of Jesus because what he is saying, the arrogant and the oppressive and the cruel and the tyrants, they will not inherit the earth. They will not be with us in the new heaven and the new earth. They will not be those who are enjoying an eternity of reward and blessedness. And if you want to pull it down into the right now, Jesus says, blessed are the meek. If God has buckets of blessings that he is looking to pour out on the people of the earth, he will not pour out buckets of blessing on the arrogant, the prideful, the entitled. But those who are meek, strong, and under control, they're going to inherit the earth. I want us to look together at Psalm 37. This is a, a beautiful um, echo of this idea. Psalm 37, and these first 11 verses. The psalmist writes, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they soon will wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. I want you to trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Let's hold on for a minute. What, he, what the psalmist is saying in this, when you see evil people doing evil things, don't get upset and don't mow them down. Be meek. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Does that sound familiar? In a little while. And the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the what? The meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Anybody like to ride horses? Three of you? Awesome. (laughs) Anybody seen a horse before? Okay, they're good. Wow. Let's get a little bit worried there for a moment. A horse. It's a giant dog with tan. A horse. I want you to think about a horse for a minute. There is a great, vast difference between a wild horse and one that has been broken. A horse that has been broken means that that it is now able for, for someone to ride it for someone to lead it, for someone to guide it. But until then, the horse has this really strong self-will. And if someone's going to break a horse, if they're going to try to tame it, they've got to be strong and determined and courageous, and they've got to get in there and over time, it's not a two-second thing, over time, they have to break beyond the self-will of that animal. And a horse, that strong beast, that animal that is so strong, when it has been broken, it's ready. It's ready for this thing called a bridle and a bit. The bit goes in the mouth of the horse and the bridle is the harness over its head that comes down on these long straps that they call reins. And when you sit on the back of a horse and you hold the reins, because of that bit that's in its mouth, if you've got the reins, if you pull the the reins this way, that pulls on the bit that's in the horse's mouth. And if its self-will has been broken, the horse goes, all right, let's go this way. And if you pull on the reins this way, because the horse's self-will has been broken, the horse goes, all right, let's go this way. But until then, the horse is like, I'm going where I want to go. Forget you. You think you're climbing on my back right now? No. But once that horse's self-will is broken, it's ready for the bit and bridle. It's, It's ready. All of this strength, check this out. All of this strength is ready to be led. And if you are standing in the pile of the rubble 
of all that your approach to life has called and you caused and you haven't believed in Jesus and become a follower of Jesus yet, you need to do that today because he'll change your life and he'll do a work in your heart. He'll change you. He'll forgive you. He'll make you new. He'll bring you into his family. He will set you free from the grip of sin and he will teach you a new way to live. He will teach you to be strength under control. And he will teach you to let him lead. Because when the Lord leads, it's always the good places. Amen? But if you've already believed in Jesus and you're a Christian and maybe you've been a Christian for for months or years or even decades, I, I just speak this over you today. Have you broken past your own self will? Are you living a meek life where you are happy to receive the bit and bridle from the Lord? Where you are happy to go His way, not your way? Still got your strength, but being led by Him. Because if you'll get to the place where you're broken, you say, not my will, but yours. Yours is way better. He will lead you to good places. If you will learn when to use the accelerator and when to use the brake, if you will be meek, you will be blessed. Putting all this together, look on the screen. Jesus wants to live, wants us to live in a poverty of spirit surrendering to the truth that we cannot help or change our own hearts. Jesus wants us to live with some kind of mourning over what sin has done to our world and to mourn over what it has done in our own personal lives. And Jesus wants us to live in meekness, strong, self-control. Blessed are you when you are meek. Congratulations. It's so good to be you. You're right where you need to be. You should be